0: everybody! Welcome back to the rest of season rankings, fantasy football podcast. I'm your host Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my co-host Bar Wheeler and Bart. We are chugging along on these position previews. Uh, we got another tall task ahead of us today, trying to figure out fantasy football's most important position, the running back position, and it's always uh, it's always a uh, a mess with these depth charts in um, training camp, trying to figure out not necessarily who the top guy is but who's the second guy who's the third guy uh is it going to be a committee all this kind of stuff uh we're hearing all kinds of different things coming out of training camp so uh let's dive into this what do you think
1: yeah well you said it man running back is where it's at uh i think you know i just i don't know if you had a draft this past weekend i had my my, uh my main home league of over 20 years uh about half of us got together the other half remote and um you know one thing i wanted to make sure i did was uh get at least two running backs in the first three rounds. You know, we're going to start talking about, uh, we're going to go in team by team today um, and not necessarily kind of go in order, but we'll kind of touch on some of these guys, uh, you know, who are kind of in the first two or three rounds. And I think, you know, there's a big drop-off after that. Um, people talk about the running back dead zone. It is real. <laughs> I think, you know, it's it's tough. You can find guys um, sort of in that dead zone, but it's, it's, it's obviously really hard. It's almost like trying to find, like a late round tight end, you know, we're going to do tight ends uh, later this week as well. So I really like to get a couple running backs in the first three rounds. What about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is something that you and I talked about in the wide receiver preview, which uh, if you have not listened to that, that's up at our our rest of season rankings podcast. Uh, you can see it at rsrankings.com or find it on Apple and Spotify. Uh, we did that one last week as well as quarterbacks. So go give those a listen after this, if you haven't already. Um, I think we both agreed there that Really, you can find good wide receiver value in rounds, say, three to seven of a 10 or 12-team league draft, whereas at running back, it, it kind of does hit that dead zone you were talking about. And to me, the the reason for that is because uh, running back is the position that is the most opportunity-based. It's the least mm-hmm. about um, – I mean, skill certainly matters, but uh, it's there's so many other factors that matter for running back production um, – in terms of team context uh, team philosophy offensive line ability uh, just overall offense uh, scoring upside and then the most important one of all is just um, opportunity and uh, with running backs if you don't have opportunity it doesn't matter how good you are you're not going to be valuable in fantasy and the difference to me between the top tier guys and the dead zone is the dead zone guys, You, they're just risky. We don't know if they're going to have that opportunity, uh, and even if they do have that opportunity in week one, they may not have that opportunity in week 10 or week 16. Um, so uh, there's just more risk to those guys because they're not as clearly established as the guy. Um, they're not bell cow backs that we know are going to get 20-plus touches week in and week out because if you're getting that kind of workload – we we see it with a guy like Najee Harris, right? I mean, he, I don't think he's a special talent. I don't think the Steelers are a great offense, but I, I just feel very safe that he's going to get a lot of touches. So for for that reason, like I can't really move him any lower than like RB12 or something like that. Um Right. So like there's there's just huge value to that that um safety net, I guess you could say, and those guys in the dead zone just don't have that.
1: Yeah, and and I guess people define it differently, but I think what you said is right. Like for me, I can't put a guy like Zeke in the dead zone. Honestly, like to me, he's in my top 20 and we'll get into some different guys. But then honestly, like after like the top 20 or so, you start getting into some question marks. Um, That's where I kind of see the the dead zone start to creep in is sort of in that 20 to 23 range. And I kind of have a teardrop there. We'll talk about when we talk about some of those guys. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's like I think there's upside still at that point. Like, I feel like you can find running backs in that. RB 20 to RB 30 range where there's a, there's a scenario where they finish as top 10 guys, but there's also a scenario where they aren't, they lose the job or they're, you know, just like (laughs) on the short end of a committee and basically not usable in a standard size league uh, each week. So that's just the risk you take. And that's why I do agree with you that like, if you can lock down two, even three, high-end running backs early in your draft and then just start hammering wide receiver in those early to middle rounds like I just like that roster build I feel like it often I often feel better about that than I do when I you know take a Cooper cup at the top and then have to um, you know deal with (laughs) taking some some risks at running back and not knowing how it's going to pan out and sometimes you end up having to make reach picks at that point and I never want to do that
1: absolutely and you know Let's go ahead and get into uh, our first team. Let's start in the AFC East, and I want to talk about uh, a couple running backs with the Buffalo Bills to get started out. You mentioned you know, how the team is. I mean, they're going to be really pass-heavy. We've, we talked about their receivers in the wide receiver uh, podcast. We talked about Josh Allen as potentially the number one fantasy quarterback, obviously. Um, you know, Devin, Singleberry, Singleberry, <laughs> Devin Singletary <laughs> sits atop of that depth chart, uh, you know, and a lot of people kind of look at him as like, you know, he's in that sort of conversation of RB dead zone if you're gonna do like a zero RB strategy he might be a guy that you can target you know after you draft after you draft wide receivers uh, maybe even a high-end quarterback something like that um, a tight end and Devin Singletary for me he's my RB 28 Uh, I don't expect him to be like that much involved in the pass game you know they 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 uh, have James Cook there who they drafted this year uh, who Josh Allen doesn't typically throw to running backs but I mean you kind of have to think he will this year, right, with James Cook there. Um, but I think Singletary has the, the potential to, you know, have 8 to 10 rushing touchdowns for a really good offense. So I think he's, he's a guy who offers um, maybe not the upside of a, an RB1, but I think he's got a, you know, he has a safe floor on a really good offense.
0: All right, well, I guess we're going to start out with a big disagreement then.
1: Let's do (laughs) it. (laughs) I do not
0: see this backfield the same way that you do. I have Singletary as my RB43. I have James Cook at RB40. So I have them in the same tier, actually. But James Cook slightly ahead. And then Zach Moss uh, comes in. Uh, You said discuss a couple running backs. I think you need to discuss three in this backfield. Um, I have Zach Moss at RB61. So you know, we're going to do this alpha. We're going to do this uh, division by division. If we did it alphabetically, then we would get at the end uh, to another backfield that I think is similar to this, which is the Washington commanders. I, these two backfields to me just seem very similar because Singletary is kind of, you know, poor man's Antonio Gibson. <laughs> He's the, the guy that was the default top of the depth chart, as you said. Um, but They've, they've Both teams have drafted a player. Both teams have a pass-catching back, um, McKissick, James Cook. And, and I think Zach Moss is looking like, from the latest reporting, like he could be the goal-line guy um, in Buffalo. And, of course, we know uh, Josh Allen is also the goal-line guy. Um, so I think Devin Singletary's upside is really limited. I don't think he's got a lot of touchdown upside. I don't think he's got a lot of pass-catching upside either uh, because James Cook is going to be um, – the, the, the more uh, used in that in that aspect and you know the Bills have not been a team that have passed to the running back a lot in the past at all and when they did Singletary uh, was near the bottom of the league I believe in in yards per route run, uh, route run uh, for running backs so if they pass to their running back it's going to be to James Cook um, I, this is a messy situation I, I don't think I would feel good about starting any Bill's running back in week one Uh, I want to see how it plays out but I worry for Devin Singletary that he's going to be like that between the 20s guy uh, where where James Cook's getting the high value passing game targets in PPR and Zach Moss is stealing whatever rushing touchdowns don't go to Josh Allen
1: well that I like that we started off with with a little disagreement because yeah I, I look at how Devin Singletary finished last season and I look at you know the last four games he had five touchdown rushing touchdowns he even had a receiving touchdown in there. You know, he had two rushing touchdowns against New England in the playoffs. He scored against Kansas City in that high, high-scoring overtime game. Um, they didn't really trust Zach Moss down the stretch. Yes, I totally agree with you about James Cook catching passes, but I just think Singletary for me is kind of like a, a zero RB target just because he is on one of the best offenses in the league. But yeah, we can we can disagree right off the bat. That's fine. And as far as Zach Moss, like I have him down there like around seventy-one or seventy-two. So not much further than you, but we're talking about guys who are a guy who's pretty much undraftable in most leagues, right?
0: Well, yeah, I think so. But I did just see, I mean, ESPN's uh, beat reporter just reported, Bill's beat reporter just reported that Moss has been the most consistent goal line and short yardage situation back on the team uh, per coach Sean McDermott. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I If I had to pick one I, for right now, I'm going with Cook just because I feel like his role can grow as the season goes along. And I think he does have the upside to be a uh, between the tackles runner as well. He looked really explosive in their last preseason game. Um, I don't think he's going to be a playable option in week one, like I said, but I think his role could grow and, and he's going to be uh, the passing down back. So in terms of uh point per reception leagues, I think he's clearly the top option, but even in like a half PPR, I think I give the edge to him just because by the end of the season, he might actually be a pretty strong fantasy option, and I just have trouble seeing Singletary being that.
1: Well, we have a lot of messy, uh, op, you know, backfields actually in the AFC East to t- to kind of go through. The next one with Miami. I mean, I have Chase Edmonds really in that same area. I've been moving him up a little bit. Uh, watching some of his preseason tape, he's looked good on a couple drives. Um, you know, they signed him in the offseason. Uh, I have him as my RB thirty. You know, so a couple spots behind Devin Singletary. I have Raheem Mostert much later, although, you know, with the new coach, have Mostert is my RB48, um, with the new coaching staff there coming over from San Francisco, kind of bringing Mostert along, I could see him, if he can stay healthy, which is a big if, you know, having some value there too. I'm not really that concerned with a guy like Sonny Michel, although, you know, to your point about Zach Moss, sure, you could see Sonny Michel vulturing some touchdowns, right? Um, and Miles Gaskins feels like an odd man out. I mean, we're going to have roster cuts here soon. I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to keep you know five running backs so we'll see someone could even be a casualty there so we'll have to we'll have to see there how do you see the Miami backfield shaking out
0: yeah well i think the first thing to think about is who's the coach mike mcdaniel from the 49ers school this is a very kyle shanahan kind of situation where there's a lot of different cooks in the kitchen but i feel like the, the cooking's going to be tasty you know so like i i'm interested in this backfield i think this is a a, a backfield that can produce some real fantasy value, but it is messy, like you said. Um, you know, I'm going to keep mentioning these ESPN reporters because they just put out an article on 11 tough-to-call RB situations, and there was some interesting intel in there. So I recommend people go check that out as well if they, if they haven't read it already. Uh, but the, the Dolphins beat reporter says Edmonds is – Clearly the the top back, but he's going to be used in a similar way to how he was in Arizona, where he's going to be you know kind of a hybrid runner and pass catcher. And that Mostert is pretty clearly the second running back there. They say as long as he's healthy, so that's pretty intriguing to me, um, especially in like a standard league. I think Mostert could actually be as valuable as Edmonds um, in a PPR league. Edmonds, I think, could be quite valuable, um, but you know I think he's going to be playable in any format. Um, and then the other interesting thing is they say it's unclear how how the third back will go between Sony Michel, Savan Ahmed, and Miles Gaskin. So I think it's time to pump the brakes a, a little on Sony Michel. When he signed, I think there was some uh, thought that he might over overtake Raheem Mostert as the number two back there. It doesn't really sound like that's happening. It sounds like um, two of those three guys are going to be cut, and it could. I mean, it's not unthinkable that Michelle could get cut, you know? So, true. Um, I, you know, whoever's the third back there is like someone to file away, um, in your, you know, on your watch list, I guess you could say. But going into week one, I, I feel pretty decent about both Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Um, I, I have, um, Edmonds ranked exactly as you do at RB30, but mm-hmm. I do have Mostert quite a bit higher than you. I have him at RB38.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Um, if you like talking about, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers, you know, Robert Sala there for the jets. I mean, we get we're kind of going right into it. Similar situation. I think, I mean, they drafted Brees Hall. He was, he was the first running back taken in the draft this year, but you look in the preseason uh, they're not giving him sort of the treatment of that makes you think he's going to be a, a workhorse running back right out of the gate. Um, Michael Carter's going to be involved. I think you could, this might be a 60, 40 split or something, or maybe it'll be a, you Know a 50 30 20 split and mix in some Ty Johnson or whoever else, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, in reality, I mean, you really could see three running backs, uh, potentially, but even if it's the two, I just think Brees Hall, he's getting a lot of love, obviously, and for good reason. Um, but like, I have him in that tier I was talking about earlier, kind of just below Ezekiel Elliott. I have Brees Hall as my RB20, but honestly, like, I might move him down to like sort of the 23 24 range, he's on that cusp of. of being almost in that dead zone conversation because I'm starting to worry a little bit that he really will be, you know, a bell cow running back. Maybe he will be by midseason, but certainly not out of the gate.
0: Yeah, I mostly agree with you. I have him at RB18. Um, where do you have Michael Carter?
1: So let's see. Uh, Michael Carter, I have at RB42. So considerably so really I <laughs>
0: <laughs> So yeah, we, we're actually on, on a very similar wavelength on this backfield. I mean, I agree. I, I just think the one thing about Brees Hall is I do feel like he is a pretty special talent and I feel like it's sort of like what I said about James Cook like I could see Brees Hall's role growing as the season goes along and he just shows that he is the superior back to Michael Carter um not that Michael Carter's bad um but I just think that even if it does start out as like a 60-40 like it maybe it's more like a 70-30 um by mid-season or something like that I think that's definitely in the in the realm of possibility. Um I also would point out that like some of these backfields um and actually the next one we're going to talk about the Patriots is is like this as well for me. Like I don't mind if it's a committee, if it's truly a two-back committee. You know yep. what I mean? Like I can I can deal with that. <laughs> so if it's truly a two-back committee between Hall and Carter and you don't get a Ty Johnson or a Tevin Coleman or a mm-hmm. Michael P Ryan or someone like that um <laughs> getting involved. Um, I think that they're both well worth rostering, you know, and I and I'll feel pretty solid about starting Brees Hall as an RB two heading into the season, understanding that there is a little volatility until we see exactly uh, how much of a role he's going to have.
1: Well, you mentioned New England. I mean, let's get into it. I think that's one where Ramondre Stevenson is obviously getting a lot of hype this off season. Uh, Everyone's falling in love with him and for good reason. I mean, he broke a ton of tackles last year. He looked great when given the opportunity. Uh, You know, we're talking about our half PPR rankings right now. Uh, We had someone, I think, ask us on Twitter about uh, a keeper and I chimed in saying, I think Damian Harris for a 13th rounder in a standard format. uh, I liked as like a keeper for this guy because, you know, in a standard format, you care about rushing yards, you care about touchdowns. And that's what Damian Harris did last year. So, um, it's a little bit format dependent, but you know, there's also Ty Montgomery who probably will fill that James White role now that James White is retired. So this one I see shaking out more. So as like sort of a, a little bit more of a split with three backs who are going to be in the rotation. What do you think?
0: Uh, so this is another one where there's some in good, interesting intel from that ESPN article on that. I'm going to just keep going back to, and <laughs> I, you know, honestly, um, this one makes me feel better about both Harris and Stevenson. Um the reporting there was essentially that uh the Patriots view both Harris and Stevenson as capable of playing on all three downs which is very mm-hmm. interesting because no you know Damian Harris has never been thought of as a pass catching back so whether he gets an opportunity or not remains to be seen but it sounds like Ty Montgomery could have really a kind of a niche role like in the 2 minute offense only um so if he's only in on the two minute offense and not on, on, like all passing downs, like all third and longs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's not the, the, the James white role. <laughs> and uh, that would be really good news. I think for both Harris and Stevenson. So I'm pretty bullish on both of them. I, I agree. I mean, I agree with what you said that Damien Harris is a, is a terrific value for a 13th round pick. That guy had a lot of um, really good options. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he did (laughs) a lot of good bargains he could get. So it was, it was tough to choose, but um, you know, he, he, I remember he had, he could have Stevenson for an eighth or Harris for a 13th. And if that's the choice, yeah, I'd go with Harris, especially in a standard league. But, Mm -hmm. um, but I like both of these guys for fantasy. This is just a team that, tends to put up really good rushing uh, fantasy numbers. Um, And we know it can be unpredictable how it's going to play out. It always has been under Bill Belichick. But I kind of feel like it's less chaotic than it used to be um, in this backfield. And I also just think the talent level of these running backs is pretty high. Like, so I'm, you know, I'm looking where I have them. I mean, I have Stevenson pretty high. I have him as RB 24 and I have Harris as RB 28. So, Like they, I have them in the same tier. Uh, they're both guys that I think you can draft as like a low end RB2, high end RB3, but they have the potential to be significantly better than that. And if, like, say one of them gets hurt, the other one I think is going to be an an every week RB1. So, um, I I like these guys a lot for fantasy this season.
1: I have them, uh, I still haven't moved. I so it sounds like you've moved Stevenson just above Harris, if I heard right. Is that right? Yeah, I've
0: got him four spots ahead
1: yeah i haven't done that yet and i don't know that i will um even in half ppr like you know harris just had a nose for the i mean he he probably is going to regress in the touchdown department right but i don't know i just still see harris as like the 1a and stevenson is the 1b even though stevenson's getting all the hype i still have stevenson down a little bit further so i have like harris 26 stevenson 35 down more and with guys like kareem hunt and tony pollard i kind of see him in a similar tier with those guys um, but maybe you have those guys higher. <laughs> well, I
0: mean, I, I think the thing for me is like, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson's a big boy. You know, he's like, yeah. he's 230 pounds. Like, it's not like he can't handle goal line opportunities. Um, so I don't, I don't, I guess I'm not really buying that like Damian Harris is going to be the exclusive goal line back. I think it's going to work more in terms of like they're going to each get drives, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, because I, I just feel like they can both do both of these things. Um, if anything, I do think Stevenson might play a larger role in the passing game than Harris. So to me, that's why I give him the slight edge. I mean, maybe Harris gets a little bit of an edge in terms of red zone opportunities, but I don't think he's going to have a stranglehold on that. So for me, that's why I, I give the slight edge uh, to Stevenson, at least in leagues that award points for catches.
1: And I think the key is they both have value, right? I mean, we've, ha- we've seen guys have value. Like we just talked about James White. There've been years where he has lots of value, especially in half PPR, full PPR, but then you've had guys like Legarrett Blunt who's like a damian Harris type, right? Who just does more running between the tackles, doesn't catch much, but scores double-digit touchdowns. So, both guys can be valuable. So,
0: absolutely. Yeah. This yep. is a this is a situation I would be happy to uh draft one or even both of them if I could. Sure. Uh so right, let's move on to the, the uh, to the AFC North. Um and we'll start with the Ravens. Um, I, I know you and I are both big fans of JK Dobbins. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, <laughs> it's been a lot of drama. Um, this, this training camp with the reports coming out about JK Dobbins, uh, as you'll recall, he suffered a torn ACL just before, uh, last season missed the entire year. I was, Really bullish on him going into last season. I thought he was going to be an RB1, and, uh, you know, the dream ended before it began. Um, I was equally bullish on him coming into this season, but uh, the reports just, you know, I don't know if it's just, um, you know, Harbaugh being uh, cagey and super cautious, but they they keep uh, saying that, you know, he's not quite up to full speed yet. He's not quite participating in, in every aspect of practice. Um, I think there's been some some reports of him having like a tired leg, which you sometimes see with players coming off ACL uh, tears. And I know there's a couple injury guru expert f- types on Twitter um, who are a little skeptical of Dobbins because of the, the track record of running backs in their first year back from an ACL. So there's a lot of reasons to be a little worried, but I just think... This is such a talented player. Uh, He averaged six yards per carry his rookie year. Uh, (laughs) I mean, he's just so talented. This is going to be one of the most run-heavy teams in the league, but they're still going to score a lot of points. Um, So I think he could get a ton of red zone opportunities. Uh, I mean, he's not going to catch a ton of passes because Lamar Jackson just doesn't really throw to his running backs very much. But, um, it, you know, I do think if Dobbins can prove his health and be like – the clear lead back i mean they don't have much else i mean they've got mike davis tyler batty i mean justin justice hill it's it's an unimpressive um backfield beyond Dobbins. so if if he was completely healthy i would be having him maybe in my top 12 running backs but um as it is i think we need to be a little cautious with him and i did just move him down some in my ranking so right now he's slotting in for me at rb20 what say you
1: Well, I have not moved him down. He's my RB sixteen. So I, I don't know. I just I'm kind of believing for right now. (laughs) And with Gus, you didn't mention Gus Edwards, but you know he got put on the pup list, so he's going to miss the first four games at least. Um, So he's recovering from his own uh, knee issue. Um, So maybe he'll have to get kind of eased in when he gets back as well. Uh, I kind of see Dobbins, you know, maybe getting eased in for the first couple weeks. But like you just mentioned, those guys behind him. I mean, Mike Davis is just like a placeholder. We saw Latavius Murray in this offense last year, like he was getting the starts, but he wasn't doing a whole lot. Like Dobbins is a real, you know, you mentioned the six yards per carry. He had nine touchdowns his rookie year. Like this is a guy who could be like, who could lead the league in rushing to be honest, like maybe not this year, maybe next year, Um, especially in this offense. Um, I'm not saying he'll do it this year coming off the injury, but like the potential is there. I mean, like this is one of those situations like a Jonathan Taylor where you have a good offensive line, a team that's going to probably commit to the run, and a really good talent at running back so he's kind of like to me the poor man's Jonathan Taylor uh you're getting him a couple rounds later maybe even three rounds later uh you know and just kind of hoping for the health that's what I'm doing right now with Dobbins
0: yeah I mean I think you and I totally agree on the player um if I if I got some like and and again I'm only four spots lower than you on him so it's not like I'm I'm out on him at this point but if I saw like some reports that he was back to full speed and that you know they weren't that they were gonna unleash him in week one and all that um i would move him up substantially from where i have him right now because i agree with you in terms of the upside that he possesses um i'll also point out that um jameson hensley uh from espn uh reports it's possible that edwards could miss a huge chunk of the season so um and I think yeah. that makes sense because Edwards is on the pup list. He's not. He hasn't participated in any practice so far this season. So, you know, his injury occurred about what a month later uh, than mm-hmm. Dobbins did, and it sounds like he's also just further behind in his recovery generally. So, um, I'm sort of not expecting to see anything from Gus Edwards at this point this year. I, I was initially excited about him too last year. I was excited about him, um, but. I'm kind of almost writing him off for this year. I feel like Mike Davis uh, could have some like RB three kind of flex value in the early part of the season, and then he's just not a very exciting player, not a very talented player. So once Dobbins is up to full speed, I I, I think Davis kind of moves back to the periphery.
1: Yeah, and to hammer your point, like you're right, you're not the low, you're not the low guy on Dobbins. Just a little bit lower than me right now. I mean, we're if, both
0: way above consensus. still exactly. Yeah, that's what
1: I was gonna say. Like ECR has him at 21, and his ADP is 27, RB 27. So you don't have to draft J.K. Dobbins in the third or fourth round. Even like you might get him in the fifth, uh, which is a steal if he's falling that low. I think. I mean, just the upside's great. So. Definitely draft J.K. Dobbins if he's yeah. still there in the fourth, fifth round.
0: Yeah, and in fantasy football, you have to take some chances to win. I mean, like, this yeah. game is inherently risky, and players get hurt, and especially the running back position. So don't don't play in fear.
1: <laughs> That's right. Uh, all
0: right, wh- so next, next team up, who are we going with?
1: Uh, Bengals. Um, yeah. I mean, this one's pretty clear cut. <laughs> you know, you've got Joe Mixon there. Uh, we talked about in the wide receiver episode about all the great receiving options they have. Um, but yeah, for the running back I've got Nixon as a pretty rock solid um, I mean, RB1, you know, top 12 running back I have him as my RB7 In a tier with guys like Najee Harris Who you mentioned uh, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones So I have them in a tier below Kind of uh, a top 5 uh, Who you, I might break into a couple tiers And maybe you have You mentioned before the show You might have one big tier But this is sort of my third tier I'm guessing maybe sort of He fits in your second tier Mixon. Yep.
0: yep, I have him RB7, second yep. tier. Um, you know, I feel like people nitpick Joe Mixon a lot, um, but he was fourth among running backs in fantasy points per game last season in half PPR. Uh, now, granted, there was a, a fairly sizable gap from the top three, which were Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, down to him. So uh, I'm not saying he should be the RB4. I've got him RB7, but I feel like he's got a very high floor. uh and, you know, maybe uh, he's not going to get used in the passing game as much as people would like to see. But if he's not a nothing there, you know. Um, and, you know, last season he rushed for 13 touchdowns and 1,205 yards. So uh, he's coming off another great season. He's had several of them. And uh, it's going to be a very explosive offense once again. So, yeah, I, he, to me he's one of the safest kind of RB1 picks you can have Um and one I would definitely be happy to take uh, at the back end of the first round of a fantasy draft. Um, the other interesting aspect I think is the, um, the second spot there uh, you know, there was a little bit of Chris Evans hype early in the off season, mm-hmm. um, but it does look like Samaje P Ryan will still be the uh, main backup to Joe Mixon heading into the year. Uh, you know, P Ryan is very boring <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, But he's just sort of reliable, I guess, um, for the most part. Uh, He did have an issue in the Super Bowl, I believe. (laughs) Um, But uh, it just looks like if Mixon was hurt, it would be a committee between Pirine and Evans. I just think uh, right now it looks like Pirine would would handle the bulk of it, especially, um, you know, I'd say probably 60, 65 percent of the snaps um, if Mixon went down. So if you're going to handcuff or if you just want to, you know, speculate on a backup running back here, um, I think P. Ryan would be the one to go with.
1: Yeah. And I will just say this about Mixon. I think the reason he even falls like outside of the first round in drafts is a lot of people got burned uh year before last, you know, when he got injured and then it seemed like he was coming back and then he just got shut down. So I think things like that leave a bad taste in people's mouths. Like Michael Thomas this year, same thing. Like there's certain players that just kind of slide down boards. Cause there's a lot of people who know how that played out. But with Mixon, I mean, this guy got paid. He's on a great offense. Do not be afraid to take Joe Mixon as your number one running back. Yeah.
0: I mean that, that year that like when, when, when they're, when it's like a loss season and a team is tanking, then yep. often the player will not be that motivated. We saw that with Alan Robinson last year, for example. Yep. Um, yep so moving on to the, the Browns, um, now, we'll try not to have a Deshaun Watson conversation here, but obviously, <laughs> uh, not having him for 11 games does affect this offense. Uh, it affects their, their scoring upside, but it also suggests they could go more run heavy. So maybe that's kind of a, a fair trade off um, if you're investing in the Cleveland backfield. Um, the, you know, Nick Chubb is just. He, there's a lot of in common with with Joe Mixon. Just another rock yep. solid first round, late first round, early second round pick that can be an our uh our low mid to low end RB one. Um, you know I think Nick Chubb if they if they wanted to use him the way that you know a Derrick Henry or a Jonathan Taylor gets used, like he could be the number one running back in fantasy, um or number two maybe behind. A healthy Christian McCaffrey but uh I, he's just such an incredible talent like I mean he's like Walter Payton you know he's so good um oh, yeah. but the Browns do philosophically like to uh use at least two running backs so you know I think Chubb is never gonna get quite as much opportunity as he may deserve but it do- it doesn't really matter I mean he's still a great great fantasy running back
1: And he just signed a three-year deal. So, like, I don't see them running him into the ground the way a lot of teams often will when they have a guy sort of on their last year, like maybe a David Montgomery this year, uh, could get a lot of work. You know, he's on his last year of his contract, as an example. Um, But, yeah, Nick Chubb, I have him right there at RB8, right after Mixon. Like you said, a lot of similarities. Won't catch a ton of passes. You know, good chance to have double-digit touchdowns. And then with Kareem Hunt, I mean, he's he's a really good player. Like, it seems like a long time ago when kind of he broke out as a rookie in Kansas City and then he had kind of the off field troubles and all that stuff. Um, but, let, you know, I have him as my RB33. I mentioned he's down there with guys like Tony Pollard. We already talked about Ramon J. Stevenson. I think you're going to make a case for him to be a little higher than this. Like you said, I mean, they're going to need to lean on uh, Hunt, I think. I think they're going to be in game, they're going to be behind in some games. We, we talked about the Bengals, we talked about the Ravens. These are good teams. Uh, Steelers maybe won't be as good this year, but like, it's a tough division. Uh, They're going to be in some, they're going to be behind in some games and going to have to maybe have some dump off passes, be in some hurry up offense situations. So you like Hunt in the, in the passing game role. And this, this is one where Dernis Johnson also could play a little bit of a role um, mixed in here and there, but definitely a good, like if there's an injury to one of those two guys, Dernis Johnson is also a good name to at least know.
0: Yeah. So Kareem Hunt's a tough one for me because I have him at RB 36, um, so not too far behind you. But I also agree with you that like it feels like he should be higher. It's just one of those things where I can't really rank him ahead of guys that have the upside to like be the main guy uh, on their team, or you know are the favorite to be the main guy going into the season on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why he's a little lower. But like I feel like in my week one rankings, I'll probably have him in the RB two range, you know, like low end RB two. Like he, I feel like last year, every, every week, I feel like he was always being ranked my RB 20 to 25, like pretty much every single week. So assuming nothing changes with that Cleveland backfield, that's probably how I'll I'll be ranking him most of the time this year as well. Uh, It is just tricky though, because you know, the one guy you didn't mention is the rookie Jerome Ford, and he's earning rave reviews uh, in training camp. He's looking really explosive as well. So I feel like this this is probably the most talented backfield in the NFL one to four. I mean all four mm. of these guys are really good football players and they're not going to have room for all four of these guys. So I'm I'm curious what's going to happen here cuz I, I don't think they can pass any of these guys um through and not have them get claimed or anything like that. I like they're going to have to make some sort of a trade or yeah. cut one of these guys and they're going to resurface quickly Who, whoever doesn't make this team I think so I sort of have a feeling there's going to be some sort of trade that happens with one of these running backs and it could be Kareem Hunt like
1: it could be you know
0: because he's the one that will earn the most trade value and if they really believe in Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford why not trade Kareem Hunt and get a a pretty decent draft pick in return or a a player to another position of need you know um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, maybe he gets traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a, a very interesting situation. But I, I will say that I will uh, have Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford on my watch list for sure. And uh, if anything happens to Chubb or Kareem Hunt, then I think um, it's going to be really key which of those two uh, is, is ahead on the depth chart because um, it's just a great situation overall in Cleveland for running the football.
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned it. There have been some rumors around guys like Hunt. Uh, I think he might be on the last year, but like he's trying to get a contract, and it's not it's not happening, right? So we also mentioned Damian Harris when talking about the Patriots. Like, imagine if they traded a guy like him, like what what it would mean for Ramondre Stevenson. So you know, turn those notifications on for people who you follow who are really in the know, <laughs> and see so you can see when things are happening. Yeah, especially uh, if you
0: have like daily lineup or daily uh, waivers waivers. Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um, so last team we already we already kind of touched on. Uh, we, you mentioned Najee Harris with the Steelers. Um, another you know top ten running back. I don't like some people may even rank him, you know, in that top four or five. Like he's in the conversation, especially in you know PPR half PPR. Uh, a lot of people may rank him ahead of Derrick Henry, uh, and I have no problem with that to be honest. Um, other than the fact that we don't know that he's going to get as many receptions this year, right, in year two with without Big Ben, just there to dump dump it off like 10 times a game to him. Um, I don't know that Trubisky's going to do that or Kenny Pickett for that matter. Um, yeah. But the, the number two here I think is interesting as well, just because, you know, just talking about a guy like Najee, who's young, I don't think they're going to want to continue to just give him that kind of a workload, and I think they'll, they'll give someone, and that rookie Jalen Warren uh, is looking good in the preseason. Uh, Benny Snell, not as much. Uh, I know Anthony McFarlane, I think, is a third-year guy who might get mixed in a little bit, maybe a little bit more in the passing game. But, yeah, Jalen Warren, I think, is a name to know uh, who might you know eat into Najee's touches a little bit and would be a good handcuff if anything were to happen to Najee.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does sound like Warren is currently the number two uh, back on this depth chart. So I, I think that makes him worth considering as a late-round pick in a standard redraft league just as a lottery ticket, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. the Mike Tomlin is one of the few coaches remaining in the NFL who remains dedicated to the bell cow back um Mm -hmm. it does sound though that there is there is some uh reading the tea leaves some indication that Harris isn't going to have quite as massive a workload as he uh has in the past sort of like you were alluding to there and uh, that's a reason I'm a little below consensus on Harris like I said I don't think he's a special talent either so like volume is disproportionately important for him because I just he doesn't have that home run hitting ability um, in my opinion uh, he you know he can play on all three downs but he just doesn't have the explosiveness that I I typically associate with uh, a top five <laughs> fantasy back and that's why I don't think it's close between a Derrick Henry and Najee Harris I I have Najee Harris at my RB12 I have Derrick Henry at RB3 so for me that's a pretty sizable difference there and I am uh, six spots below the consensus on Najee Harris and and I'm happy to be there given the combination of um, his potential for a reduced workload, uh, his skill set, which I just don't find that uh, special, and concerns I just have about the Steelers' offense overall um, with uh, Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett under center. I just, I'm, and some tough defenses in that division too. So I, I'm, I'm kind of out on Najee Harris. Um, he has a high floor, but I don't really see the ceiling.
1: Well, let's jump over to the AFC South and let's talk about Derrick Henry. We can start right there with Tennessee. Um, Like, I have him as my RB5. You said RB3. Uh, He's not super involved in the pass game, but he's uh, Derrick freaking Henry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we know what this guy can do. Um, He could lead the league in, you know, rushing touchdowns, all the above. Um, Yeah, I mean, with with this offense, like, and you look at the, the guys behind him, you know, we talk about backups, like I don't even really know who the number two is going to be. I mean, maybe Dontrell Hilliard. They have the rookie Asan Haskins there. Julius Chestnut looked good at times in the preseason. I don't think it matters much. I think it would be some sort of a committee uh, that they try to piece together without a Derrick Henry. I mean, we saw, was it last year where they signed uh, Dante Foreman uh, off the street, (laughs) more or less, and he came in and kind of looked like Derrick Henry Jr. there and did a good job. But uh, I don't know who that's going to necessarily be if Derrick Henry were to not... Uh, be healthy this year so yeah I I drafted him in Scott Scott Fishbowl I think in the beginning of the third round which was really nice in a super flex league I was happy to do it Um, so yeah Derrick Henry easily a top five guy but you're not getting the the passing Uh, the receptions like in a full PPR I think you could make a case for a guy like Najee a little bit more or one could maybe not you (laughs) definitely not
0: me (laughs) Um, I, I don't I'm a little perplexed to be honest why people are still kind of out on Derrick Henry. I, it's just strange to me. Like, yes, he doesn't catch passes, but he has put up huge fantasy numbers no matter your scoring setting every year, every single year. I mean, last season, he averaged 23 fantasy points per game in half PPR. Um, you know, he only had 18 catches for 154 yards in his eight games, but he ran for 937 yards and 10 touchdowns in eight games. <laughs> I, I mean, he was more than two fantasy points per game more than Jonathan Taylor last season as the number two running back. I mean, he he really lapped the field, much like Cooper Cup did at wide receiver. And then you go back to the previous season, and uh, I mean, he was equally impressive. He was the RB2 that season behind only Alvin Kamara in half PPR, ran for over 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. Uh, it's just like at a certain point, I don't care if how he's getting the points. Like he's not catching passes, <laughs> fine. But I feel like people have a blind spot a little bit still to Derrick Henry because he doesn't catch passes and because he had that injury last year. Um, I don't really see. I, I understand he's getting a little older and coming off an injury, but I, I'm just not that worried about about it. We haven't heard anything to think that he's not, you know, hundred percent healthy right now. And I don't think he's any more likely to get hurt than any other running back. I mean, he had virtually no injury history prior to last season, and it was kind of a fluky injury. So, um, I, yeah. I mean, I, to me, this is like – he's the kind of player that is why I don't have a top tier of just um, Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor like some people do. I I think it's very, very possible that Derrick Henry outscores both of them. I mean, he did last season. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I think you can you can put a Dalvin Cook, maybe even an Austin Eckler there as well. But um, yeah, I just think Derrick Henry is a complete beast.
1: I think you, you touched on it toward the end there, talking about coming off the injury. I think that's what it comes down to, right? Like, Derrick Henry seems like this immortal god of running, and he showed last year that he is a mere mortal getting injured. And I think that's all it is, really. Like, he came back in the playoffs, played injured, didn't look good. So that's what sticks in people's minds to a lesser extent similar like what's going on with cam Akers, totally different injuries you know achilles is way harder to come back from and be explosive like i think henry's is an ankle right so very different um but i think that's that's all it is i think uh you're right like if derrick henry wasn't coming off an injury well he probably would have you know if he played a full season last year he probably would have he could have even broken records right and we'd be talking about him as maybe the number one pick in the draft So that that's what we're that's what we're talking about here. I think that injury is sticking in people's minds. And hey, if you're getting a little bit of a discount on them, and you're in the middle of the round, and you're able to get Derrick Henry, then just consider yourself lucky.
0: Yeah, and that's I mean that's the thing. I would still much rather take Derrick Henry uh, in the first round than like Cooper Cup. You know, I I know Mm -hmm. that there are a lot of people have Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson ranked ahead of Derrick Henry. I, I would do. never do that. Like I don't <laughs> even in PPR I wouldn't do that. Uh I just think the upside is so massive um with with Derrick Henry um, that I I just want to and again like we talked about at the top how you're building your team, you're going to get those wide receiver values later. So yeah. give me this like elite running back even if he's not a huge pass catcher. Um and I will just add in you mentioned Dontrell Hilliard, Hassan Haskins. I'm interested. I'm interested. Um, even though I I think Derrick Henry will be fine, you know, you did say he's coming off the injury, he's a little older this is a team that it's in their DNA to run the ball, that's what they Mm want to do so so like we saw it last year, I mean Hilliard had some moments, Um, I like Haskins but it does sound like he uh, is behind Hilliard right now so um, if I'm drafting a, a lottery ticket backup running back, I think Hilliard is on that list for me at this point
1: Okay, well, let's stay in the division. We can talk about Jonathan Taylor. You know, kind of in the same breath. You know, you mentioned kind of the tiers at the top. I actually do have uh, Taylor and McCaffrey in a tier, and then I have Cook, Eckler, Henry in a tier. But it sounds like you kind of have those all five of those in a in a in one tier, which is totally fine. Like like we just talked about. Like if you're going to draft a running back, like any one of those five, uh, unless you have did you have a sixth in there or just no, it's just those five. I think there's a pretty
0: clear drop off after those five.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So like, and with Jonathan Taylor, I mean, Naheem Hines uh, is a is a nice compliment. Um, we heard Frank Reich a, a couple of weeks ago talk about, and maybe it was a month ago, it was a while ago when he, there was the, the blurb where he kind of was like, if I played fantasy football, I sure would draft Hines. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is coach speak, but I mean, we also have seen Hines be a, a decent, uh, you know, player. Uh, in half ppr full ppr leagues i have him as my rb 41 kind of in that we talked about michael carter um kind of i kind of see him as playing a role maybe not as big a role as michael carter will um but you know i think indy is going to be up in some games i think they're not going to give jonathan taylor as many touches as he can handle they've already kind of alluded to the fact that maybe they want to back off the workload so i think we could see Hines in some games where maybe they're beating up on the jags and the texans a couple times a year you know
0: yeah. I I've never been a big Naheem Hines guy. I just don't I, I feel like like you said, we hear this every year <laughs> that the Naheem Hines is gonna be a weapon. He's gonna be a weapon and uh you know, last year he was the RB fifty three <laughs> so and he played seventeen games. Um he had some big games in there, but he yeah. had a lot of games of zeros, <laughs> you know. And I don't I actually don't like having players like that anyway, because unless it's like best ball, um you don't really know when those big games are going to come for Naeem Hines, so he's like he's the kind of player I just don't draft because he doesn't really have any handcuff appeal. I mean, if if Jonathan Taylor got hurt, I think we'd see a lot of Philip Lindsay. We wouldn't see more Naheem Hines, so uh, maybe a little more, but not enough yeah. that he'd be exciting to start or anything like that. So like he doesn't have the handcuff value. Um, he doesn't have the the touchdown upside. Um, he's going to have a few boom weeks here and there. Uh, He's like a niche kind of weapon that like a coach loves to have, you know, Um, but I don't think a fantasy manager necessarily loves to have that. Like, so unless it's best ball, I'm pretty much out on Naheem Hines, but uh, I, you know, Philip Lindsay in a deeper league, I I could see rostering him just as like another one of those lottery tickets, um, just in case something happened to Taylor. Uh, He wouldn't be like a priority one for me, but uh, depending how deep the league is, I think um, you could at least consider it.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, he, Hines was what the RB53 or something last year. He was the RB20 uh 2 years ago when Jonathan Taylor was a rookie and Taylor was a top 10 running back. So, we have seen it before. 20 half
0: yeah, you sure. Oh, is that that's in not points per game though, right? That's No, total. that's
1: in I mean, he played, right. He played 16 games that year, all 16 games. But yeah, that's like he was scoring like 10 fantasy points per game. So like yeah, he wasn't a top 20 on fantasy points. Yeah, he was RB32 in
0: like, points per game. So
1: and. And, you know, this this goes more to, like, I mean, when I'm going to put my rankings out there for, like, the Fantasy Pros uh, competition, I'm going to have Hines around, t- you know, my in my top 40 because I really think he'll finish there. I might yeah. even move him up a little bit more. Um, but, like, to your point, maybe as you're building your draft and you're building your team, he might not necessarily be a guy that you want depending on, you know, if you need a guy for, like, he's going to get you some points, whatever. You know he's going to play, he's durable, whatever, this and that. But, like, yeah, you, you kind of touched on it there, like, he wasn't a big fantasy points per game that uh, that year, even when he was a top 20 running back.
0: Yeah, and you're totally right. And if you want to succeed, and thankfully, you know, we both have been pretty good with our accuracy and fantasy pros and our running back rankings. And part of that is understanding things like that, understanding that a guy like Naeem Hines is going to finish as, like, somewhere between RB30 and RB40, like every week, you know, he yeah. probably will. But in 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 terms of draft advice, I, I would advise people not to draft him.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, I think that's a good point. Like, that that just kind of goes for, like, projections versus rankings and how you want to draft and build a team. So Yeah, and shooting
0: for fun. upside as, as well, you know. For sure. So, yeah.
1: like, let's talk about, like, as far as upside, you know, looking at the Texans, Damian Pierce is someone who has really been climbing up Uh, the board uh, when I wrote a a piece on value uh, like a month ago I had Damian Pierce as a value in this uh, for the Texans Uh, I think his ADP at the time was like 140 and now it's like getting close I mean it might even be inside the top 100 especially if you look at like recent drafts it's probably easily in the top 100 so Pierce he he looked good I think in his first preseason game and then he kind of didn't play I think in the second preseason game they seem to be you know maybe resting him like Maybe he's gonna be the guy. That that's kind of what I'm hearing, you know, and what mm-hmm. what I'm seeing. So I kinda of, I think Pierce has a lot of upside, even though it's not expected to be a very good offense. We've talked about Davis Mills before and some of the weapons. I think they're gonna be in some games. Uh I mean, teams are gonna try, right? And Damian Pierce is a rookie. I think if he gets like 70 percent of a workload, that could be huge. I don't know if he'll get that with guys like Marlon Mack. Um, but like Rex Burkhead, who knows? Maybe he'll be a, a, ca- a casualty and get cut when when they get down to, like, 53-man rosters, you know? Burkhead could be gone. So, keep an eye on, like, I situations like, like that.
0: I feel like everybody always loves – like, coaches love Rex Burkhead, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm i kind of torn on Pierce. Where do you have him ranked?
1: Let me see. Um, I have him as RB38. So Okay,
0: so you're not that high on him then, really. No, I have him I mean, at RB33. Um, I... um, okay. And, uh, yeah, I – I, I agree. I, I think it looks like going into the season he is going to be the lead quote unquote lead back, whatever that may mean. That's the to me that's the issue though. We don't really know what that means. Um yeah. because that could mean of the snaps or it could mean 40% of the snaps you know I mean (laughs) I could definitely see a scenario where he plays 40% of the snaps Marlon Mack plays 30 and Burkhead plays 30 you know yeah I, I think that's totally within the realm of possibility I also just don't expect this team to score a ton of points or be in a lot of massively favorable game scripts. Um, I mean, you mentioned they can maybe stick in some games. That's kind of like the hope. The hope is they can stick in games. Like, they're not going to be a team that's going to be blowing other teams out of the water and winning by, like, 14, 20 points in the second half of games and just pounding the rock, you know? So... I think it could be a little bit of a trap, but at the same time, like, <laughs> there's only, you know, 32 of these starting jobs available. And, uh, he, it looks like he has one of them. So for that reason alone, um, it's hard for me to rank him outside of like RB3 territory. Um, uh, and, and he is a rookie. So, you know, it is possible. We don't know exactly how good he can be. There's like kind of the allure of the unknown. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe he's, uh, a really good player. He wasn't used that much in college. Like he was, uh, always part of a committee in college as well. So there are, you know, people that study tape, some of them love him, but, uh, I just need to see NFL tape to really know <laughs> how good I think he can be. Uh, and not just preseason tape. I need to see when, when it really counts, you know? So, um, there's a, a wide range of, of possibilities I think for for Damian Pierce but uh like I said he's he looks like the starter as of now and so for that reason I, I think he has to be inside my top 36 running backs
1: I think what's interesting about him too and I'll just mention this league again that I'm in it's a keeper league and if you're in any if you're listening and you're in any kind of keeper league um I think Damian Pierce is an interesting uh player because not only is he, is he a rookie but he is potentially going to be uh, you know in the in the backfield and getting a lot of touches right away and we don't don't always see that with rookies, right? Often you have to wait, and you're not you're not sure. I mean, not that we're sure, but like you know, he might have that opportunity to like you can draft him kind of in the middle rounds. Maybe he's good this year, but then maybe he's a good keeper. Like the tech, the, tech, the Texans need a lot to get to be a good team, right? They're going to build in the draft. Maybe take a quarterback, get some O line, D line. I don't think they're like. I sure hope they wouldn't spend a first or second round pick on a running back next year. You know, like I could see Pierce having really good keeper value next year. Kind of like we saw a guy like Arian Foster for the Texans who was not a high draft pick either. And just, you know, they built, they, they had him for a few years when he was good and and built around him and built a decent team when they did have a guy like Arian Foster.
0: Way to uh, set set some high expectations for Damian Pierce, but comparing him to Arian Foster.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, be Arian Foster. Just be an
0: undrafted free agent that turns into, like, an every-week RB1 for f- yeah. four years, yeah. Like James uh,
1: Robinson was, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love me some James Robinson. Speaking of which, why don't we yeah. talk about the Jaguars? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it sounds to me the latest reports are that, you know, Travis Etienne will be the uh, – the lead back heading into the season because they're going to ease James Robinson in, much like we heard with J.K. Dobbins. I you know, it sounds like Robinson's going to be eased in. I honestly as someone who has James Robinson in Dynasty, I, I'm feeling better than I thought I would be feeling about him. I mean, coming off of just such a debilitating injury and Achilles tear, um, it looks like he's on the same path as Cam Akers, which take that for good or bad because acres did not look great when he (laughs) he did not look explosive when he first returned to the field, but he did return to the field much Mm -hmm. faster than anyone would have expected. Um, so it does look like James Robinson is going to be active in week one and he's going to have a role. He's just not going to have his usual role, but, um, it's now sounding, uh, from the latest reports that like he could be back in his pretty usual role. Um, by October and uh now what does a usual role mean with ETN in the picture that we don't know because ETN was was out last season so um this is kind of up in the air but uh the way I'm treating it is you know I like ETN's talent I think he's gonna be a a very strong fantasy option early on I think later on it could be um you know take a little bit of a hit but he'll still be a guy you consider starting anyway um and I think uh both of these guys are capable as pass catchers but it sounds like they do want to um, try to line etn up wide a fair amount and get him the ball in space so that's particularly good in ppr um i have etn as my rb 21 uh in half ppr right now me james robinson (laughs) uh down at uh, rb 39 what about you okay
1: yeah i have i have etienne right there at 21 and i'll say like I actually had him up a few spots higher and I backed him off a little bit just with James Robinson getting healthy and showing me he's healthy. Mm -hmm. I still have Robinson down at RB 43, but I might, I might move him up slightly ahead of a guy like maybe Naheem Hines, who we just mentioned. I have him a a spot or two behind him, but you know, often as we do these position previews, I start, you know, thinking about guys and we talk through things and maybe i move guys up or down a little bit more. So yeah, James Robinson, I mean, I had him uh, in a league, you know, the year he broke out as a rookie and gosh, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was very devastating. Like when he, you know, obviously for him too, <laughs> more more so for him than us. But yeah, gosh, it was it was devastating. You know, when guys get injured like that. Yeah. Um, he,
0: he seems like such a great guy, and he has such a great yeah. story. So you do root for him, uh, or yep. certainly I do root for him, and uh, hopefully he can he can work his way back into um, maybe RB two, at, at least high end RB three value. Um, you know, during the second half of this season.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's reason to be concerned about Travis Etienne. Like we haven't seen him, right? I mean, like like I said, I I had moved him up all the way to maybe RB 17ish. I've backed him off. I might he might settle sort of in that 23, 24 range for me, honestly, because I'm a little worried. I mean, he's coming off a Liz Frank injury himself. I mean, he's healthy, um, but yeah, we don't really know what he can do. I mean, he should really. It's like we should be ranking him sort of in the same Brees Hall range, right? Almost. Well I, I have Brees Hall ahead of him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But so maybe maybe a few spots lower, right? Even because of the you know, maybe the opportunity and not having but anyway, so I think you can you can look at those two maybe similarly and yeah, I would say Bruce Hall a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, I the the one thing is I do think ETN does have a chance to kinda um establish himself early in the season. And um so that's that's why I feel like he certainly belongs in that same tier with Brees Hall because they both have that that kind of opportunity in front of them. Uh and they have the pure talent, I guess you could say. Um but yeah, it's uh you know, the other question is how good will Jacksonville be? I mean, we gotta see what Trevor Lawrence has to offer this year. If he takes a big step forward, it's gonna boost both of these running backs stock.
1: Yep. All right. So we have one more division in the AFC and we're about at the hour point. So let's <laughs> roll. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: at the pedal of the metal my friend all right the broncos i you know i think javante williams uh, it's gonna still be a committee but he's got tons of talent i think he's gonna pretty clearly be the lead back like 60 40 at least and maybe more and i think this offense is going to score a ton of points with russell wilson so i'm pretty bullish on on javante williams um i have him at uh rb uh 14 and uh i've got melvin gordon Uh, at RB34 I think he'll still be a guy that's a usable kind of RB3 flex option Um, and obviously if if Javante Williams got hurt I think he his arrow would point up massively but um, but you know I don't think he's going to be a super strong start as long as Javante is around
1: yeah I have these guys in very similar areas I have Javante as RB15 in a tier with JK Dobbins who we just talked about and then we just you just mentioned Cam Akers uh, coming off the Achilles but in a great opportunity there. So I have a little tier there with those three kind of high upside young running backs, uh, albeit two of them coming off an injury, and Javante having Melvin Gordon kind of still lurking there. I have Gordon at RB36. So right in that same area that you have Gordon. Mm hmm. Um, All
0: right. So uh how about the uh Chiefs? This is a, a headache of the cool. situation. Um Gosh. Derek Gore was placed on IR today, so we can at least remove his name, even though he was probably already fifth uh in the packing order. Uh it's sounding more and more like Ronald Jones could be cut um yep. prior to the season, which would be would give us a top three of Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, uh Jerick McKinnon, and the rookie Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, it sounds like Edwards-Alaire is pretty firmly sta- established as the top guy. Now, he's another guy like Najee Harris, where I, I don't really think he's a special talent, um, but being the top running back in KC is still something that it, it at least has to intrigue you. I mean, it's been kind of a, a disappointment the last couple seasons. It hasn't quite panned out the way uh, people were hoping that it would, um, but... It's, it does sound like Edward Zolaire is going to get another opportunity as, as the main guy. So I've got him at RB27. Uh, I'd have him higher if I believed more in the talent um, because I do think it sounds like he's pretty firmly established as the one there. And then, you know... Pacheco is the wild card I don't really know what to make of him Um, I would take him before McKinnon because I think McKinnon's just gonna have kind of a niche role like he'll play some but he's never gonna be a guy you're gonna feel comfortable starting Um, so Pacheco is the one who if Clyde Edwards Soler just looks like he's running in quicksand or something and (laughs) Pacheco just keeps exploding on the scene like you could see a changing of the guard at some point um, in the season there but I don't know, man. The Chiefs are just so hard to get a read on at all their skill positions, and maybe, maybe they're just going to be passing the ball a lot again this year.
1: Yeah, this was this was a tough one when we talk wide receivers, and I obviously won't get back into that. You can listen to that episode if you want, but it's yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, Kelsey, we know, right? We know what Kelsey's going to do. Exactly. After after that, it's really tough. And like Pacheco is getting a lot of love, but I mean, he's a seventh round pick. I mean, those guys don't often pan out. So. You know, don't reach too far, I'll say, for Pacheco. Like, fine if you want to you know, like kind of take him toward the later rounds of your draft, but, you know, he, he goes high in some drafts, and I think it's getting a little out of hand. But, yeah, I have Edwards Hilaire, RB29. RB uh, we talked about Damian Harris, Chase Edmonds. He's in a tier with those guys for me. So similar, again, starting to get into that dead zone <laughs> and having some question marks. But, yeah, Edwards Hilaire he's sort of, I keep thinking sort of like the fool me once, fool me twice thing with him. It's tough. Uh, you know, I kind of, I want to believe with him, but it's really hard. I can see a scenario where he is like a top 10 running back because the chiefs op- offense will be really good. And if he's a big part of that, then he can, you know, be a really good running back. But it's, um, it's just hard to see. I mean, it's easy to see that situation, but it's hard to see it with the talent and what he's shown on the field.
0: So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just think you have to be kind of, skeptical of everything yeah. except um the workload right now
1: yeah so going to vegas um you know they just cut Kenyon drake or i don't know if they've made it official they're probably still trying to find a trade partner but it sounds like drake is on the way <laughs> usually
0: out, right? when you say you're cutting a guy it doesn't help you get a trade done.
1: <laughs> i don't know man in our dynasty league i said i was gonna get rid of him kill harry and then someone traded him for like a fifth round pick yeah so i you never know how that happened but <laughs> yeah i'm I just you know i'm just new to the league you know free money yeah, free money. But, yeah, like, Jacobs was a guy who I kept moving him down, uh, moving him down, and then at some point I'm like, okay, I can't move Jacobs down too much more. Um, you know, they drafted Zamir White, who with the Drake release, I moved him up a bit, but, like, I can't move him up that much either because he's kind of just the Josh Jacobs, you know, handcuff. Uh, Amir Abdullah I moved up, like, probably 15 or 20 spots um, just because there's sort of this, you know, he's looking he's looking good in the preseason. Um, this is a guy who has a really good pedigree. Like, I think, I can't remember if he won the Doak Walker award, but if not, he was definitely up for it. Like he was a really good running back in college. Could just be a little late bloomer. If he is in that James White White role, uh, now with Josh McDaniel there, like that's, that's definitely valuable. Um, so I've moved him up quite a bit. That's my takeaway here. But like Josh Jacobs, I have him as my RB 23. He is right at the end of a tier. Like I have Zeke Elliott all the way down to Josh Jacobs. And then I've broken it off and have that other tier that I've kind of talked about with those Damian Harris CEH and some of those guys. So, Mm -hmm. but I still like Josh Jacobs, uh, especially now that Drake's gone. I I, kind of like him a little bit more. Even what about you?
0: I'm, I'm pretty down on Josh Jacobs. I don't think that uh, Kenyon Drake getting released is a huge benefit to Jacobs. It sounds like that's not going to change Josh McDaniels' plans for this backfield. And the plan is to have a real messy committee. And, uh, so I, you know, I think you didn't mention Brandon Bolden, but he's there too. Um, so I think Bolden and Amir Abdullah could both be kind of duking it out for the passing down role. I think, uh, Jacobs and Zamir white could both uh, get r- split up the rushing work pretty evenly. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm pretty down on Jacobs. I have him as my RB 35. And honestly, I could see going even a little lower on him than that. I, I'm more likely to lower him more than to raise him in my rankings at this point. And, uh, you know, it's hard to draft any of the other guys at all because of the situation, uh, you know, Zamir white, I feel like has the most theoretical upside. So he's probably the one I draft next. I have him at RB 58. Uh, and then I have Amir Abdullah down in the seventies and, uh, Brandon Bolden even further down than that so it's it's looking pretty ugly in Vegas uh, as far as I'm concerned
1: I moved Abdullah all the way up to RB 59 so I actually I don't know I see a little more value there and I will just say with Samir White like yeah I don't I moved him up slightly but again he's he's still pretty far down for me he's uh gosh I don't know he's way down there but I yeah let's put it this way if
0: if I knew Amir Abdullah was going to be like the James White role in, in this yeah. offense, uh, then um, he'd be kind of like a a poor man's Naheem Hines for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. a guy that I'll probably have ranked higher in the fantasy pros weekly rank uh, rankings than I will in draft rankings. Cause I still don't think he's going to be a guy you want to use in fantasy leagues. So um, for that reason, I, I would have him lower in my draft rankings. But the other thing is they do have Brandon Bolden who can do a lot of those same things. So I, I just, yep. um, I think it's just messy right now, and I can't be too bullish. I mean, I have I have Abdul at seventy three, so I'm not that much lower than you on him. But I, I'm just this. The point is, I don't want to be starting any of these guys in fantasy. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, Jacobs is like a bottom of the barrel RB three, and the others are like off off the, my list.
1: Zamir White's definitely a guy. I was just gonna say, like for for dynasty, I would I would be trying to buy Zamir White to be honest, if if I can, and I don't know if you really can right now or what you could get for him but i just think you know this is a new coaching regime you know gruden's gone out of there uh just kind of starting fresh with guys you drafted and you know samir white i think is someone who you probably want to you know in dynasty like look at i think jacob's will be gone and he could be you know the starting running back for the for the raiders uh, and next year you know for the next few years um, let's see. After All right,
0: let's let's, I'm gonna make an executive decision. Let's wrap it up af- um with this discussion of the Chargers, and then we will do a second episode talking about the NFC backfields because there's just too much to talk about here.
1: Yeah, uh, that's cool.
0: So, so we'll, we'll touch real briefly here on the Chargers. I mean, Austin Eckler, I mentioned it up top. Like, to me, he's a top five clear cut top five running back. I think he's definitely my fifth of those five, but because I think he has probably the least upside of the five. Um, the other four being McCaffrey, um, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. But uh, to me, he's clearly in that top five. Uh, it looks there's not a lot of competition here. The backup running back has never panned out as a viable fantasy option in um, the Chargers' offense. So. Uh, it looks like Joshua Kelly is ahead of Isaiah Spiller right now. Uh, so if you want to take a, a real late round stab, you could draft Kelly, I suppose. But really, this is the Austin Eckler show, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, and I think you you could take that flyer on Kelly. It seems like he'll be the guy, but like he, we kind of thought that last year too. And you know, Justin Jackson was there, so I, I think Isaiah Spiller could end up you know being the number two. So I just don't think we really know. Uh, so I'm not targeting. Either of those guys, sort of as a number two, and I'm certainly not taking them if I have Eckler because I think we just don't know. Um, So yeah, as far as Eckler, like you kind of you said it all, like he was the number two uh, running back in PPR, a half PPR last year. I think you can make a case for him to be even higher than where where a lot of people rank him. Like he could be in the same breath, like you've talked about as like Taylor and McCaffrey. So I'm with you there. Um, Eckler's great. He also loves fantasy football, which is awesome. (laughs) So gotta love that.
0: Yeah, i mean i don't know why I even say he doesn't have that much upside when he was like second among yeah. <laughs> rBs in fantasy last year i just don't i guess I don't see like the stratospheric upside maybe that the other guys have but um certainly in PPR you could say he's got more upside than henry i suppose yeah so yeah it's uh it's just a, it's it's a, it's picking hair it's it's splitting hairs with these guys they're all they're all' I'll, my top five picks will be these five running backs in a uh in a non-superflex league.
1: All right, we got to the AFC running backs. <laughs> Whew,
0: tough one, man. There's so much <laughs> to talk about here, and we got so much more to talk about in the NFC. So we yep. will do the NFC running backs uh, later this week and uh, push back our tight end discussion to next week. That sounds um, good. There's just too much, too much goodness to cover here. Yeah um so anyway you can follow me i mentioned already check out our other pods on quarterbacks and wide receivers uh, if you haven't already uh you can follow me on twitter at andrew underscore seifter
1: and you can follow me on twitter at barton wheeler we appreciate everyone listening to the podcast if you like the show please follow subscribe rate and review we are out of here
0: we gone You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.